0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past best picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host and your bard and your guide this evening, Stephen Buja, and joining me, the man I bite my thumb at, Mr. Matthew Marchetti. Matt, how are you doing?
1: I am very well, sir. Very well, indeed. Excellent.
0: What have you been up to this week? What movies have you seen?
1: Um... What did we watch? We watched very recent. Actually, just literally just fit in before the show. Um, there was a recent horror film I wanted to watch uh, called "Don't Knock Twice." It was a I think like a Welsh director, but with some some British and some American actors in it. Uh, sort of like a uh, sort of like a paranormal spin on some of these movies that are coming out in the U.S., but with a kind of grim fairy tale sort of vibe. Yeah, so definitely better in uh, setup than execution. Some really cool ideas, um, but didn't completely kind of come through. Uh, but it was still very entertaining, so oh, I good. was happy.
0: Entertaining movies are all the rage these days. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. i so, heard, yes. yeah. so it was my uh, it was Father's Day this past weekend. Happy Father's yeah, Day. After, happy Father's Day. It was my first Father's Day. I, uh, I had a very dad moment where I was going to go hiking by myself as a Father's Day, Father's Day gift. And blew a flat tire out on the uh, FDR Drive, which uh. was great. Fun fact, apparently I realized I had never actually changed a flat tire before. <laughs> I had been present when a flat tire was being changed, but never actually did it myself. So that was a lot of fun. But it did allow me, rather than go hiking, to go see a movie that I thoroughly enjoy. And that movie, <laughs> Tom Cruise, The Mummy.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you liked it. <laughs> it's... I'm so glad you liked what? it.
0: I am I am shocked at the amount of vitriol that people holy are giving man. this. It's like there are some genuinely like scary and eerie as hell parts in this. The plane crash oh, in the yeah. beginning was holy shit, that was amazing. Some of the uh the way they frame the mummy herself is great. She's really eerie. I do I think they blow. Russell Crowe and that whole subplot just is that that makes it's weird and totally tacked on and I get they're trying to go a shared universe here but I thought it was pretty solid I don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck are people what are you complaining about what do you want it's Tom Cruise saving the world from yeah. a muff like what what about that is unappealing
1: it's sort of the dream movie for me so I don't I don't know I don't know Steve I don't know what's wrong with people I think a lot I guess I think we're, we're discovering a lot is wrong with people yeah
0: like I get yes. Are there structural problems? Sure. Is the tone wildly inconsistent and yet it somehow works in its favor? Absolutely. I <laughs> this movie is hilarious. And yeah. you know what? it means to be at times, and I love that. And it doesn't mean to be at other times, and I love that too.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I agree.
0: It's, it's, maybe all right, don't go don't pay full price, pay matinee price to go see it. Yeah. It's probably like it's, that's what I did. Yeah, It's a it's a fun summer lark.
1: I I dug the
0: hell out of this movie.
1: So happy! That makes me so. That's like the best news I've yeah, heard. Dude,
0: I, dude, sign me up for the dark universe. I'm I'm, uh, I'm on board. I, I want I want just the adventures of Tom Cruise and Nick from New Girl, just just just, just like solving mysteries. Like what,
1: what? I don't know, man. what I don't is,
0: know. Uh, the internet? What the? What do you want from from films? Like you're you're not gonna get your art your art. You're not gonna find out about the human condition or anything like that. But you're gonna have a really great time. It's kind of spooky. It's kind of eerie. It's a little bit action. Go see the mummy. I just totally go see the mummy. I, and you don't like it, you write us an email at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Shameless plug for ourselves and tell me about it. And we will get into when And we will have some words.
1: Mark it. Oh, we'll have some words oh, indeed.
0: Yes, we will. But speaking of words and scribes and bards, <laughs> hey, you like that. Um, mm, well played. Matt Marchetti, tonight our film is yeah. the nineteen ninety eight Academy Award Best Picture Winner, Shakespeare in Love. And mm. I do have to say, sir, uh there are a lot of films I look forward to discussing you know, on this show I have. Like mm. Crash, for instance, was one of them. Lord of the Rings. Um I'm really looking forward to Platoon. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched for that movie. Shakespeare in Love is absolutely at the top of the list because we can finally get talk a little bit about the politics involved with the Oscar race and how much like a presidential race it is all about kind of how much money you spend mm-hmm. or rather how much more money you spend than the other guy. Yep. So, first first things first, Shakespeare in Love uh directed by John Madden Written by Mark Norman and the great Tom Stoppard, uh, uh, who, yeah. I just, who I love. He wrote uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yep. Uh, it's just a fantastic play. So he is a Shakespeare aficionado and absolutely knows a thing or two about the Bard. It stars Gwyneth Paltrow, Joseph Fiennes, Jeffrey Rush, Ben Affleck, Tom Wilkinson, Colin Firth, and the one and only Dame Judi Dench. And was produced by uh, Harvey Weinstein and the Miramax and his company, Miramax. Um, Eddy, take us back to 1998. Mm. You see this movie, or maybe you hear about this movie. Mm-hmm. What What are your thoughts? Did you see it? Paint Paint us a picture.
1: So I saw it in a like second run. But it was still before the Academy Awards. It had been out, I think it came out, well, like, wide release. It says here wide release was actually January of 99. So maybe that's when I saw it. Maybe cause that would have been before March. So Maybe that's when I saw it, uh, in January. I know it was, and I remember it being cold, and I felt much colder when I left the movie theater. <laughs> but I, it was, you know, purported to be this this fantastic film. I wasn't as uh English majory as I am now so I wasn't I I, I confess uh, super excited for anything Shakespeare um I, I sort of thought the idea sounded even at the time I think sounded sort of cute um and I just had heard good things about it and um so I, I went to go see it and um I sort of remember thinking like wait what did I what, what just happened? Like what, <laughs> it, it, I mean, we can get into more detail and in, in watching it a second time. I think, um, the, the things I l- dislike about the movie are even more clear. And the, there are, and the things that, the, you know, the, the multitude of things I really like about the movie. And I, there are a bunch of things I do like about the film. Um, we even more clear, like starkly clear because mm-hmm. I don't know, I just more time has passed. I'm older. I've seen a lot more films and it just, you know, some of that stuff just stands out a lot more. Um, but I just remember thinking it was sort of um, slight in a way. It felt very slight to me, and and maybe that's, you know, that 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 goes along with the tradition of Oscar films, particularly Best Picture winners being these big, you know, big uh, uh, sort of giant scope and scale films. So maybe I expected it to be more, and maybe so maybe I brought a little bit to that film that hurt it for me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just remember thinking like, no. But I mean, I also was like 16, so what right. the fuck did I know? <laughs> like seriously, what did I know?
0: Right. I think a do 15 year old and 15, 16 year old me, depending, It was probably I was probably 16. If it was, I, I think yeah this, the, yeah, yeah, this is this is the kind of movie that is not meant for us, and not only not mm-hmm. meant for us, but we just like really dislike for for no really, arguably <laughs> objective reason, just. Which are just like eh. oh, screw that movie. We don't <laughs> need that. And uh, tack on all of the drama behind the its Academy Award win, which we'll get to in the next segment. Believe you me, uh, I I don't think I ever. I don't recall seeing this movie in the theater. I caught it afterwards and was still as an angry young man. Mm. As a you know slightly less angry adult, um, I was like. I thought that oh, that was cute and fine, mm. but I don't get the buzz around it. Why mm-hmm. is this so much better than most of the other things in 1998, mm. especially some of the things that were nominated alongside for Best Picture? I don't, I don't understand what all the fuss is. Um, luckily, I am not 15 or 16 anymore, so I can. I can view the film from a middle aged person. God, are we middle aged? We are. What the oh yeah. Oh, my God, next next year I'll I won't be in the eighteen to thirty four on the government forums anymore. I'll be thirty-five to whatever the next one is. <laughs> That's madness, right? Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But um time has a lot of films don't improve with time, but I think when it's when a film starts as low as it did in my esteem and opinion. Hmm. Uh, it can really only go up. And I Mm -hmm. have to say that uh, alongside you, yes, there are the things I like about this movie. I go, wow, I really like this. I was surprised by some of the parts I found myself enjoying. Mm -hmm. And there are also lots of things that are ridiculous and I don't like that we, of course, will get into. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, the film is Shakespeare in Love. We are going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss the 1998 Oscars, perhaps. The Oscars that will live in infamy. Mm. Stick around.
2: Wow, this is just fantastic. Thank you to the members of the Academy. We share this award with John Madden because we wouldn't be up here without him. He made us look real good. And there is no director that he's a producer's dream. The other people that we share this with, I think I'm forgetting them, are my own personal Lucky Charm, Miss Gwyneth Paltrow, Jeffrey Rush, Joseph Fines, Judy Dench, Colin Firth, Ben Affleck. I saw you there. <laughs> Rupert Everett. And David, <laughs> come help me here for a minute, please. Well, we'd also like to thank Universal, um, who with Ed and Mark started all of this and uh, Miramax, who had the courage to finish it. Our fantastic crew. And who else are we thanking? Um, I'd like to thank Mark Cooper, <laughs> Clearney Clark, and my partner in all things, Liz Barron. Thank you. The other guy that we really need to thank, though, is Harvey Weinstein, who had the guts, the courage, the commitment to make this picture and get it done. Here he is. Say thank you. Words.
3: This was an ensemble film, and it took an ensemble team to make it. I want to thank at Disney, Michael Eisner and Joe Roth, who've given me great latitude and great support. At Universal, Edgar Brofman, Ron Meyer, Stacy, Nadia Bronson, Chris McGurk. At Miramax, my brilliant Merrill Poster, my head of production who rocks the universe and makes us look good. Oh man, Julie Goldstein, who is the most persevering, brilliant executive producer, to Bob Osher, to Mark Gill and Marcy Granada, who are the one in two most dynamite marketing team. And your brother, Bob. I'm I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, we made this movie. This is a movie about life and art. And art and life combining is called magic. For me, this was a great experience, a passion for five years. And nobody inspires me more than my brother, Bob, who is my partner and best friend every day. My loving wife, Eve. My two rotten kids, Lily and Emma. <laughs> my beautiful nieces, Sarah and Nicole. <laughs> and my mom, Miriam, the Miriam of Miramax, who makes Jewish mothers look good. Okay. And the rest of the time.
0: Shakespeare in Love won Best Picture, but it also walked away with six other awards on the evening of March 21st, 1999. Matthew Marchetti, what were those awards
1: well i'm glad you asked steve It's my Uh, (laughs) job film also walked away with uh best actress in a leading role for miss gwyneth paltrow Mm uh alongside best actress in a supporting role for Dame judy dench the, the previously mentioned uh, who I think there was some some trivia with her that there was one of the sh- shortest screen times for this for an award. Or
0: um, yes, I believe so. You know I, think? Is, I think she has either the first or the I think it's the second least second, amount yeah, of yeah. screen time
1: for supporting yep.
0: actress, and only s- I think is it slightly more screen time than Anthony Hopkins had when he in won Silence. in Silence of the Lambs, yep. which is one of the shortest uh, award-winning performances uh, uh, in Oscar history. Eh. Uh, and this was also um she won for playing uh Queen Elizabeth the first, uh who and it was all a character that was also nominated also again this yeah. year in yeah. the movie Elizabeth yeah. starring Kate Blanchard. <laughs> so it's a it was a it was a we were loving we were loving the Elizabeths back then. Back then. Anyway, the Queens. The Queens, yes. What else?
1: Um uh, next, we had uh, best writing screenplay written directly for the screen with Mark Norman and Tom Stoppard, which is, you know, what I, I sort of went in expecting to, I don't know, I just sort of feel like, oh, the screenplay is gonna be whatever, and you know what, like it's it's a it's a damn good screenplay in in a lot of sections. I feel like that's it. it a lot of it reads like Shakespeare, yes, without without using um, you know his cadence and sort of meter, which is cool. Iambic still pentameter, like big, I
0: believe. Yeah,
1: which is really neat. Um, yeah, it's just neat. I was very imp- I mean I would not be able to put something like that together if, if, in many regards. So I was I was, I found myself being very impressed by um what what Norman and Stopper did for this one.
0: I don't know. I feel I feel like if if somebody said Marchetti, make <laughs> a John Carpenter screenplay,
1: you like you're you're the guy
0: I'd go to for that.
1: Thanks. I could uh, yeah, I would I would give that one a shot. I would give that one a shot. That feels like that's in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I, I would I would do that. I would do that. And uh, what else do we have? So I think there was three more, all of which um, were probably unexpected uh, nominees and wins. or right? best art direction and set direction, um, Martin Childs and, and Jill mm-hmm. Courtier. Uh, best costume design, of course. Some of the costumes we'll, in this movie. Are we'll the give scene.
0: them to that. The Academy loves their period pieces. This yes. is.
1: And I mean, they're like. There's something else. They're almost like comically ridiculous <laughs> in some scenes. Ju- Judy Dench, particularly, is just like. She looks straight out (laughs) of Bram Stoker's Dracula in some of those, (laughs) in both a good way and a bad way. (laughs) Uh, And then I think the last one was was uh, music, right? Best music. Uh, um, Yeah,
0: no, it was best original comedy score for four years. The Academy had a comedy score, much like um, the Golden Globes has, like musical comedy, picture, and drama. Um, But they just have since discontinued it. Hey, you take the win where you can get it. Mm-hmm. I believe there was only one or two other nominees that year. Probably for oh none of those. Well maybe oh maybe Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful has a lovely a lovely theme. Is it yes anyway, it does, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it does. But um yeah, so but now it would be up against just in the best original score category. I'm not sure the reason for introducing it and then and then discontinuing it so uh, so quickly. I imagine they wanted to increase the number of uh, winners, mm. but along with that, you'd also have to inc- perhaps increase the number of performances in an already bloated and yeah. overlong ceremony. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. But it also picked up a bunch of other nominations, which uh, it did mm-hmm. not win. Uh, it was nominated for a total of 13 Academy Awards, which is very high up there, close to a record. Most uh, the highest the highest uh, nominated films uh, have topped out at fourteen. Uh, last one being La La Land, for instance. Hmm. So, uh, what uh, what was it nominated for?
1: Uh, we had Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Mr. Jeffrey Rush, who I feel like was on a pretty hot streak either right before this or after this. Was Shine? The when Shine. was Shine?
0: 19, Shine was nineteen ninety six. That was was that his debut performance, and he won. He won. He, yeah, he won for that. Maybe. Actually.
1: I mean, he did win yeah he did win yeah, i remember win. He, I, yeah. I remember even yeah and i didn't i definitely did not know who he was and then that was it the piano player from shine and that <laughs> right. was it and then, and, and then now jeffrey rush is sort of this chameleon will show up in in like everything which is great it's, <laughs> he's it's so great and he's always he, really good, yeah. yeah
0: it's did he play einstein on that genius show yeah recent, very yeah, recent yeah he yeah. disappears into that man it's
1: great it's, it's so great uh, we had a best director for John Madden, who we talked about a little bit. John John Madden. That's why i laughed Like all I could think of was John Madden. All I could think of him drawing on the board, and not that John Madden, not that. Although John Madden.
0: I would love to see a movie directed by that John Madden. I, no, no, I don't want to see the, I don't want to see the movie. I want to see him direct that movie. <laughs>
1: They're probably not as entertaining as Michael Bay directing anything, which is just more fire, more fire, more fire.
0: Move, those, po- move it forward, move it forward. You're you, you're screwing up the blocking. The play is this. The play is this.
1: <laughs> oh man! And then the other <laughs> the other four. But but I digress. The other four were uh, best cinematography for Richard Great Rex. I don't think that's how you pronounce it, but that's literally what the <laughs> word is. Great Rex, it's probably Great Rex. Um, but it literally is Great Rex. That's an amazing name, and I love it. Uh, cinematography. I think the cinematography is pretty sumptuous and solid. It's solid. Yeah,
0: it, it's, it's you know, the, the production design and uh, and you know, art and the camera that all really helps sell yeah. this.
1: Yeah. Um, and then we had best sound. Uh, Robin O. Donahue, Dominic Lester, Peter Glossop, um, Best Film Editing, David Gamble, who's a name I recognize. I feel like he's mm. he's been in the business for a while. And and the editing was pretty spot on in a few key scenes in this, particularly yeah. cutting back and forth between things at yeah. certain it's, sequences.
0: It's a it's it's a tight t- uh, two ish hour movie. It's like mm-hmm.
1: just, it's only several minutes over two hours, yep. uh, which in this day
0: and age is really nice when a movie just clocks in at two. Yes. I, feel, I feel I feel like yes, this is good. This is what I you need. Know,
1: you know what movie clocked in under two hours, Steve? Um, the Mummy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it did. But it's you know a... what? I enjoyed every single one of oh, those minutes. I, I it did. Totally did.
1: It was just long enough. <laughs>
0: I, th- I think. I think we might be the only podcast defending the Mummy out there.
1: It, I, look, I have a lot. Of, I did follow a lot of people on Instagram, and every single review for the Mummy has been filled with anger. And hate, and I'm I'm actually convinced they haven't seen the movie. If you right. look up the comments, I I, I I've put on any, everybody's reviews basically like I don't think you saw the movie, <laughs> and I put it out as like a challenge. Just I don't know how they're gonna prove that to me. They're gonna show up at my house and murder me. But but either way,
0: either way.
1: <laughs> and then the last nominee was uh, best makeup, Lisa Westcott and Veronica Mick Mc- Mc- e- I don't know. And I think Elizabeth won best makeup, which is funny.
0: Uh, I be- yes, I believe it did. I believe it did. Well, she had that that. That gold thing with the mm-hmm. the white face—that's oh, yeah. very very memorable. That uh, this uh, the host of this year's Ken Ward was Whoopi Goldberg, and she at one point came out in that dress. <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely remember. That. And yeah, you know, you know, Whoopi is uh, she's a fine host. She's a uh, EGOT winner, and I think she's close to being an EGOT host as well. So wow. good good on you, Whoopi. Yeah. Damn. Um. The uh. The main the big the big thing this year from the the ceremony itself, in addition to all the the drama behind the scenes, which we're I I'm sure you're going to get to, was Best Actor Roberto Benigni, uh, mm. last the last director to direct himself to a Best Actor Academy Award for Life is Beautiful. When the still beautiful Sophia Loren announced his mm. name, he cheered. Got up. On, he got up on the on the seats and climbed over everybody to get to the podium. And it was Mm. this big, this, this big, this big thing. That's one of that's easily on a highlight reel of Mm -hmm. any Oscar uh, retrospective. You might see, but Shakespeare in love. I do have to say, uh, I think, I think we, we can honestly probably say that we have seen all the films that were nominated this year. Yes. Yes. Perhaps several times.
1: Yes. Yes. I was was checking.
0: Um, This, I think, is one of the most competitive years in, um, certainly in this show's history, of the films that we have, the years that we have watched, because every one of these films nominated has a very strong case for deserving the Best Picture winner. And that Mm. Shakespeare and Love came came out ahead is, um, well, that is a cause that for the last 20 or so years has been, uh, not, up, not up for debate, because Shakespeare in Love won. Shakespeare and Love won. But because of what it was going up against. And yeah. Matt Marchetti, I would like you to do the honors. Tell us, the movie's nominated. Save the best for last.
1: I will save the best for last. Uh, yeah, i am yeah, definitely save the best for last. Uh, so we already mentioned two of them just in, in, in other conversations, but we had Elizabeth and uh, Life is Beautiful. Uh, and then we had a, sort of a interesting, interesting, well, two interesting pairings, right? Cause you had Shakespeare in Love and Elizabeth. And then you had another sort of interesting pairing in terms of thematic and, and historical content with with uh, the Thin Red Line. Mm. And then, of course, of course, of course, the fantastic, ridiculously good I, co- I will never get tired of. I can watch it every single day and it will never be boring. Saving Private Ryan, Steven Spielberg's arguably Steven Spielberg's, I think, finest hour, I, w- I would yeah. say. and that's 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 tough
0: and and that's and that's saying something that is one of the most you know the greatest directors of all time um saving private ryan was the year of uh this was his ode to world war ii in fact actually um thin red line saving private ryan and life is beautiful are all world war ii movies life is beautiful takes place in the concentration camp uh saving private ryan had 11 nominations five total wins which makes these two films take home basically all of the Oscars this year uh and it was um spielberg's second and as of now last directorial win he won of course in 1993 for schindler's list another much deserved oscar and john madden is good he directs this movie very well but he he ain't no spielberg and he ain't no spielberg at the top of his motherfucking game which he was in saving private ryan now this could be an entire episode on Saving Private Ryan, but this is actually a two-parter, because next week we are going to dive into Saving Private Ryan, and we will either make or break a case for it for it winning. But that is not this episode, that is next week's. Tonight we are discussing Shakespeare in Love, but I'm sure we'll have some veiled allusions to Saving Private Ryan <laughs> along the way.
1: Thinly veiled, thinly, thinly
4: veiled. veiled.
0: Some, maybe some thin red lines. You can also you can also really make the case that the thin red line is just an
1: incredible
0: oh. movie. Ah. It, it's it's so beautiful. Um, I, yeah. Maybe maybe it's one of the last times Terrence Malick actually decided to make a movie, which I appreciate. There's yeah. a story there in substance, um, and it's also his his first movie since Badlands, some twenty years before, Crazy. which is Crazy. which is great. And he not, he just comes back and is like. Yep, I'm doing it. This is this is how we do it. I got I got everyone in Hollywood that Saving Private Ryan didn't get because that movie's that movie's jam packed full of people. just I,
1: I know between those two movies, that's like all the actors, all of them. Right, but they're, they're just filled. Yeah.
0: So, um, it's a very competitive year here in Oscar history. Um, Shakespeare and Love walked away with the SAG award for best ensembles, like the first or second year that it was uh, it was um, given out. Generally, a precursor to which movie will win Best Picture, it tracks pretty closely. Saving Private Ryan was nominated. This was between Shakespeare in Love and Saving Private Ryan. It was between um, Hollywood, uh, you know, back in Spielberg, the golden the Golden Child for so many, so many years, and the upstart indies, uh, Miramax, Harvey Weinstein. He had a dominating run. From uh, uh, in the uh, late uh, '90s to early 2000s, he you know he put forth either nom- winners or nominees um, yeah. multiple times. He got Fargo nominated. He got you know Chicago won Shakespeare and Love won. He consistently showed up because the man knew how to play the game. And yes, let it be. It this is not. Remember, you always wonder if that's not the best movie of the year. Well, it's because it's the best publicized the best the best movie that plays the best game and there is no better player than Harvey Weinstein of Miramax back in the 90s. He uh this is the heyday the average movie will spend 2 million dollars on a Oscar push. Harvey was like nah. Shakespeare in Love. We're giving that 5 million. He put he he showed this movie. He showed it relentlessly. He Picketed it, he you know, he, um, not, not picketed, he, whatever the, whatever the positive thing is. He just, he just blanketed, blanketed Hollywood with mm. it. And it's, it was a, it was a late release too. It played in New York and LA for its qualifying run. And then as, because voting takes, uh, it took much longer because the show was the end of March back then. It's, you I can't imagine that it's like practically, you're, you're practically on Tony and Grammy mm-hmm. and Emmy territory at that point for the, for the year before he was able to build a momentum because every, because you have Steven Spielberg making a very great and important World War II movie that is also like the second highest grossing movie of the year. Of course, that that is walking in and it's going to take care of everything. Mm-hmm. But here comes Shakespeare in Love, the little movie that could, that just you know it just spends it just it just keeps pounding the pavement. And according to Harvey Weinstein, um, he admitted to. Having hired Martians to hypnotize academy members, it was expensive, but worth it. There's a, there's a, I have, I assume he's joking, but it's yeah, really yeah. hard it him, to I don't know, know sometimes. Yeah. So um, you know, you don't gotta. You, that's and that's just just the way it is. So I was um, when it was announced that Shakespeare and Love won, I was disheartened because how could that be? Mm. How could how sixteen year old me? How could that be? And it's because, you know, you got You need to have a great campaign manager or you have to rig the election so you have 50 separate elections that are all not equally, uh, you know, compared to one another. And then somehow you game some stupid racist uh, system to your advantage. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Neither here <laughs> nor there. <laughs> And ultimately and he won out and it um this is still considered one of the greatest upsets in Oscar history. Despite you know, it's not like it won, but it's not like Shakespeare in Love won like the two Oscars and the It won a bunch. And it is still a good movie. You don't like you don't get to you, you make a good movie first and then you do it. But you have to have a good movie at the beginning. And we definitely say Shakespeare in Love is a good one. And we're gonna take a short break unless you got something else to add, uh, Mr. Matt.
1: No, man, I just want to get into it. I want to get into breaking this movie down. All right,
0: we're going to get into it. We're going to break this movie down. Stick around, people.
4: Your Majesty. Stand up straight, girl. I've seen you. You are the one who comes to all the plays at Whitehall at Richmond. Your Majesty. What do you love so much? Your Majesty. Speak up, girl. I know who I am. Do you love stories of kings and queens, of feats of arms, or is it courtly love?
2: I love theater. To have stories acted for me by a company of fellows, isn't They're not
4: acted for you. They are acted for me. And? And I love poetry above all. Above Lord Wessex. My Lord, when you cannot find your wife, you better look for her at the playhouse. (laughs) (laughs) Playwrights teach us nothing about love. They make it pretty, they make it comical, or they make it lust. They cannot make it true. Oh, but they can.
2: I mean, Your Majesty, they, they do not. They have not, but I believe there is one who can.
4: My Lady Viola is young in the world, Your Majesty
2: is. Why, isn't it? Nature and truth are the very enemies of play-acting. I'll wager my fortune.
4: I thought you were here because you had none. <laughs> 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 well, no-one will take your wager, it seems.
2: Fifty pounds.
4: Fifty pounds? A very worthy sum on a very worthy question. Can a play show us the very truth and nature of love? I bear witness to the wager, and will be the judge of it as occasion arises. I have seen nothing to settle it yet. Are there no more fireworks? They will be soothing after the excitements of Lady Viola's audience. <laughs> Have her then, but you're a lordly fool. She's been plucked since I saw her last, and not by you. It takes a woman to know
0: it. Matt, for those who are not in the know, give us the IMDB synopsis of Shakespeare in love.
1: Sure. Yeah, again, it's uh, as usual they do a pretty good job. It says a young Shakespeare, out of ideas and short on short of cash, meets his ideal woman. And is inspired to write one of his most famous plays. And that play
0: was Macbeth because the woman was terrible and she he turned him into <laughs> Lady Macbeth and the rest is history. No, it's obviously about Will Shakespeare, his inspiration for writing our uh, one of his greatest love stories, most tragic love stories, Romeo and Juliet. And um Matt, we are no longer young men. We mm. it's painfully obvious every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, what what is your impression overall of this film as compared to back in the day? Now,
1: um, <laughs> uh, I still feel like it's it's really cute. There's a few sequences, uh, particularly where they really strain the the plausibility, even for someone like me. Who, I I I will never ever understand nor really care for the. Uh, like man dressing as a woman and vice versa, sort of. I, I feel like it. There's two elements. There's, there's a really slight comedic element in this, where where the the Shakespeare character played by Joseph Fiennes addresses as uh, I think like a handmaid yes. for Gwyneth oh, Paltrow's character, artery, which I I'll fucking think. hate that. I hate that sequence so much. It is so stupid. His eyes are so distinctly <laughs> his, and it's like, of course, of course, the person who was being fooled is is Colin the Colin Firth character, who's a complete idiot and doesn't really like see it anyway, So it sort of works, but. I always hate when they do that. Um, the Gwyneth Paltrow sort of cross-dressing stuff, I think, works a lot better because it, it's got more heft to it. It's, it's, it's a large part of right. the story. It sort of, you know, it, it sort of builds up to a nice little moment. Um, so that part works okay. But I'm always just like, oh, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. So a lot of really cute elements. Um, I found myself really, really, really connecting with. Probably not a surprise uh, to you or to anybody. The, I, I found myself really connecting with the moments in the film when they focus on the actual making the play, like constructing the play, the actors, all that background yeah. stuff. I thought that was fascinating. And the last, say, half hour or so where they actually put on the play is really, I think, very strong filmmaking in general. I think they do a really good job. It's very fun. It's very uplifting. It makes you feel really good. Um But the rest of it, the romance in particular, I just feel like, oh my god, I've seen this so many goddamn times in other movies. Not that it's done poorly, but it's just like, come on, guys. Come on. Really? Like People are falling for this? I don't know.
0: You've you've probably seen it a lot in, I don't know, other Shakespeare plays that we have all seen.
1: Anything by Jane Austen. Anything by Jane Austen.
0: Yeah, I never... (sighs) On the on Josephine's dressing as a woman that it's all it's also tacked on I think just it's the film doesn't play a lot of things for broad laughs but that that is so obviously something it feels almost, like taken that just shouldn't be there I don't think there's really a, like much of a reason right. for Shakespeare for Shakespeare to be there besides, besides to just learn some information or, or whatnot it's it it's so
1: well, he gives up. He gives up the Marlowe character, the Christopher Marlowe character oh, in that yeah. scene. He sort of, that, yeah, that's, So it it is, it is. But th- that makes it even worse because that's a really dramatic thing for him later on. But it's set up by this almost like Disney movie sequence, and I'm just like, right. come on,
0: people. No, um, it's charming. It's a good movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's a good movie. Yes. Uh yes. I've, I enjoyed it. Uh removed from the sort of like vitriol I had over it winning over. Saving Private Ryan. I can appreciate it on its own merits. Uh, I think it's a lot. Of, it's like a lot of the a lot of the stuff works really well. I dig. I did. You know what? I really. I don't. I don't care so much for Will and Viola. I really mm-hmm. like. Like t- Tom Stoppard has a way of really making secondary and supporting characters sing. Like he wrote it. He, so he wrote. Did, it, so yeah, he wrote an entire play about. Two supporting characters who had like sixty lines in Hamlet mm-hmm. and made it one of the greatest things ever. Um, so you have um, you have Jeffrey Rush as the uh, as he's the um, is he the owner of the theater.
1: I think so. Yes. Yeah. He's Yeah. He's it's it's sort of weird because it's in flux. Right, yeah. But yes, I believe and so. She, and he yeah, and, yeah Hansel,
0: and, and he's great. You were interested. We're interested in him having his so, the soles of his feet burned because you know there's no there's no money and he and you know he's he's saying like well plays are you know they're disasters and if you're lucky they won't kill you in the end or something like that you know? right and and, <laughs> and he gives him a nice little arc yeah i love his whole you know oh i thought i'm rolling in the aisles and he, everyone comes around to the idea of Ro- of romeo and juliet what i love i love fucking tom wilkinson in this movie
1: oh my <laughs> god you just steal the movie he steals the whole it's, movie it's, i think
0: he's so he, and he goes from this guy who like just sees the plays as ways to get money to like really being so invested that he's like he's getting nervous about his four or five lines as the apothecary
1: <laughs> and he even get so adorable <laughs> so adorable i just love
0: all the all the little all the little guys i love um uh burbage i love the Marlowe character, the actual Marlowe character, yeah. they're just, they're just, they're so lively. Even Ben Affleck, who feels, I so, know, <laughs> he feels so out of place here just because it was Ben it and was, it was Ben and Gwyneth. It was the, the, the Benneth thing going on. Yeah. Yep. And like we had just met Ben Affleck like a year before on uh, in Goodwill Hunting and now he's here. Yeah. You're like, what the, what, he, he's so out of place. And yet his cockiness is, is not he's not good like i think ben affleck has turned into a good actor and a great director but he is he's just not that great here and it works it works on him and then you come to shakespeare on his own works because he gets to interact with all of these characters so much but when yeah. you throw um gwyneth powell's on there and i have to admit that she's okay but she just kind of she kind of brings the fun down a bit she's uh, mm. She feels kind of all wrong for this. Her accent is is not the best, and I'm just wondering why did, why did we hire an American for this? Is, like, did we want Ben Affleck to show up because he took the job because his girlfriend was in it?
1: I she she, she stole the well, not that the other choice was better, but there was a story that she she was good friends with with uh, Winona Ryder, and she took the screenplay off her desk. Just like I wanted to check this out, and Winona and Ryder said okay, and then she, just, I think she made a copy of it and then went to the audition without telling, without yeah. telling Winona, and uh, there was uh, some bad blood yeah, as a I result. They have, so they're
0: like not she, friends still.
1: Uh, I guess yeah, not. And it's,
0: it's not that she's bad. It's just that everyone else is so much better. They have a handle on Stoppard's cadence, and it's a it, he has a particular cadence. He has there's a wit to the screenplay that I one cannot deny. It is a great screenplay. And it absolutely deserved that uh, that original screenplay nod, but I don't think Gwyneth can really handle it, and I never feel like there's a lot much of a connection between her and Shakespeare. And Joseph Fiennes is trying; he really and truly is. He, he is <laughs> it's really he's really trying. He's, he's putting on all the charm and charisma, and it's not it's not being reciprocated as well. Because I that's what that's one thing I always feel, and. And thinking about this, I've, 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 I want I want to throw throw out this idea to you. Shakespeare in love. All it is. Shakespeare fan fiction. Yeah, you're nodding. I'm
1: hmm. nodding. Yeah, I'm you know, nodding, you know, yeah. I'm just really mulling it over. Yeah, I'm like mulling it. That's 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 yeah. That's exactly what it is in some respects. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Yeah, it
0: does. T- <laughs> um, it is you know it's 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 about Shakespeare writing the writing the you know writing the play. And it draw it like adds some subtle nods towards a lot of the other works. And it you see why you know, see like inspirations for the balcony scene, the famous balcony scene in Romeo mm-hmm. and Juliet and that actually happens. And you go, Oh, that's you're just being so fucking cute right now. It's like it's yeah, like yeah. it's like <laughs> meta on top of meta or something or, or something along the lines. And I, I just couldn't couldn't shake this this feeling like if I were a reader of Tumblr or a live journal or what do they still have live journal? I don't even know. Uh, that this, so. this would be a this would be a a very well done Shakespearean piece of fan fiction that is mm-hmm. um, wholly dependent on the fact that there is a Will Shakespeare and uh, right. and while it did become an actual show on uh, in the theater, uh, it will always be a pale comparison to it uh, to the originals, mm-hmm. and it's not trying to be like an original Shakespeare thing mm-hmm. but it it still it feels kind of empty and hollow and just it hits mm-hmm. a lot of the same just some beats over and over and over again and it's uh, I, I I can't shake that and I have to give it I have to dock some points away from it for that reason mm-hmm. as well done as it as it is um the ideas are kind of just your standard idea. There's, you know, we, we talked last week about ambition versus execution. The execution is great here. The ambition is cute. And and that's what it comes
1: to. Yeah. It doesn't really strive for a a lot in a lot of moments. I mean, I think it, it sort of ends really strong uh, in some regards that maybe the, the, the the finale, the final, final scene, but the sort of penultimate scene with with them putting on Romeo and Juliet, I think is easily the best part of the movie. It's, it's clearly supposed to sort of be that moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. It does feel sort of, it's not, I don't think it's meant to, but it it does feel a little cheap. It feels like, Hey, let's just do like, there wasn't a, people didn't know a lot about William Shakespeare's life. So let's just sort of use that idea and go nuts with it. And, um, fun. Yes. Adorable. Yes. Very charming. Yes. But it doesn't feel as substantial. Yeah. It feels like a really, really, really fancy version of of a really, really fancy Uh, like, you know, YouTube clip that a bunch of like really, really, really uh, (laughs) skilled, like college film students put on, you know, with obviously with, you know, that's, that's being ridiculous when I'm saying that, but it sort of feels like something that's all right. Your project is to play around with the idea of Shakespeare's life and figure out how he came up with certain plays. And that's sort of like someone who had just really loved and read Shakespeare would come up with, Uh, which isn't to say that's bad. That's a cool idea. But it does somehow feel a little, like you said, hollow. I think that's a good word yeah. for it in some regards. This
0: does make me want to see a a movie like this for all of his plays. Yeah. Because, because Romeo and Juliet is, by all accounts, a pretty normal play. Shakespeare, there's some weird shit happening in a lot of Shakespeare. Shakespeare I, I would love to see his inspiration for Prospero, for instance. Yep. Or you could do Titus Andron- and- Andronicus. It's just like he witnesses just all this death and sadism and just unholy, God awful stuff. Like, I think that would be fascinating if we just had like a series yes. of films like that right. onto the, um, the character itself, Joseph Fines.
1: Um, what,
0: how do you like his take, uh, of Shakespeare?
1: <laughs> it's like, like Jack Sparrow without the dreadlocks and none of the humor. Um, you know, he, 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 at first he when the movie begins you sort of see him pretty early on maybe he's in the is in the very very first scene I, I can't recall, but he's very very early on you see him and you sort of get this you know he sort of blends into the time period, but then he has these eyeshadow and the the earring and his hair, which is sort of modern. it looks sort of right. modern in a lot of ways' just sort of the messy look um, but then you see other 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 characters in the film and they sort of all look like that. so he sort of blends in and that part kind of fades away. I think his performance is, is fine. He certainly knows he knows that he's in something, or it, it's 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 he's trying to be in something really really big. So I think you got to give him points for for sort of shooting for the moon. Um, he he doesn't. I don't think Joseph Fiennes has ever and probably will never have the range to take on uh, certain types of roles. I think this sort of in some scenes plays to his strengths, and in other scenes um it doesn't and it's no more painfully obvious than when he's in the play at the end as Romeo and is delivering lines as Romeo that we've heard a thousand times from different actors of higher caliber or and lower caliber um and you're like oh man like uh, like they're not bad they're not bad i couldn't do what he's doing but there's something about his performance that he's he's trying really hard but and i kind of want to give him the gold star on the nose <laughs> but I mean, I guess there's a reason he wasn't. Was he even nominated for Best Actor? I don't believe he was.
0: No, I, no, I don't. Was I, I don't believe so.
1: No, but his his competition was. I mean, Edward Norton, Nick Nolte, Ian McKellen, Tom Hanks, Roberto Benigni. I mean, there's no way Joseph Fiennes is going on that list with those guys, and 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 he shouldn't. I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous list. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on on
0: poor. No, Joe, no I think I think I think that's fair. He has a lot to shoulder in the movie like it's, yes. it's the movie's called Shakespeare in Love and he is William Shakespeare and he does a good job I like your comparison to Jack Sparrow. I was going to say he's um uh having just watched Amadeus, he reminds me of a far less obnoxious but no less talented Mozart in that regards. Yeah. And that made me kind of wish he would he would have gone even further. However, yes, however, yeah, however, I at agree. that point we probably would have lost a lot of the, you know, because he's he's charming and he's appealing and you know you know he's he's rather approachable for being arguably the greatest West writer in Western history. Mm-hmm. Um, which which mm-hmm. was, it was great, and I, 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 I dig the anachronistic look of the film and how it's you know there's some modern modern takes on it, and he you know he you know nobody's doing the Elizabethan language really any just that they're just they're speaking like a modern englishman and he's right. he's he's acceptable in the role i think he has the right look for it as sort of a six, 16th mm-hmm. 17th century um scamp that would describe him he's, he's very scampish <laughs>
4: he's definitely a scamp <laughs>
1: That's what they should call it. It's the Scamp in Love. That should be the name of the movie. That's that's far more accurate. Scamp. Oh, he is a scamp. He's the delightful scamp. He's, he's, he's so delightful. <laughs>
4: it's,
0: it's fun to it's it's fun to watch him get into hijinks. He's 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 yes. he's playing two theaters, kind of against one another, trying to up his price. Uh, I um, I love the way he fights uh when like both when the you know the, the theater actors fight and when Colin Firth you know attempts to attempts to kill him i think he has a great physical uh physical presence but you're right mm-hmm. uh i wasn't feeling the the romeo and juliet and that that it could be on us because we have experienced that these people in the movie have never experienced romeo and juliet before right. this is the first time it is ever being performed and i imagine it's quite it's quite overwhelming, like, oh my god, they're, wait, they're both dead? Oh, right. What the hell kind of play is this shit? Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and um uh, um oh Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Yes. Uh I forget who she's going up against. Perhaps you can you can look this up. Do you think she deserved the supporting actress Oscar for playing essentially Judy Dench but with some fantastic lines. She's got some of the best lines in this movie. Oh
1: yeah, she she owns it. I'm not even I have the, the it up on the screen but I'm not going to look at it because I feel like if I look at it it'll it'll sort of sway my opinion. So, I think she I think she did she did a great job in a very small role. She, she but she already walks in with such a big presence that she could have had less lines and less screen time and still been Fantastic, and and, uh, in this sort of important role, but she again, she plays into this really sort of cute, convenient screenplay in some spots. So she, of course, she's at the play at the end, and they come back to this bet that she made with Colin Firth's character, Lord Wessex. And is it rousing? Does it make you happy? Do you laugh? Are you smiling ear to ear? Of course, but it, it it feels a little Disney again. You're like, of course she's there, and of course she's not this complete hard ass bitch that. Uh, you you thought she was so I think the I think the lines written for her are fantastic I think of course she's she's Judy Dench so she's fantastic in anything she's in uh, she's I don't know how old she is and she's the only woman who like looks and acts like that that I still look at and I'm like oh man I would take her out to dinner <laughs> and 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 more let's or just more. say and look more at... but for some reason she has such a commanding presence um, with that being said as I now scroll down and look. <laughs> <laughs> so, she was up against Kathy Bates in Primary Colors, um, Brenda Blethyn mm-hmm. for a movie called Little Voice, okay. Um, Rachel Griffiths and Hillary and Jackie, and then Lynn Redgrave in God Gods and Monsters, well, which I, like I really like. Movie. Yeah, and that's and no surprise, probably for anyone who knows what I like, particularly what that movie is about. Um,
0: <gasps> well, it's yes. about Frank if I'm not.
1: Yeah, but, um, well, Frank it's about it's man, about also. James Whale, so he's he's involved in all that. um if I'm looking at this list, even without knowing what the movies are, I'm probably just going to point at Judy Dench, bar none, out of everybody on there, just because she's Judy Dench. Right. Um, I can't help but think that the movie's other wins and, and the push from from Weinstein um, had a lot to do with with this as well. Um, I don't know. So I feel like the performance is great, um, but maybe it's a, it's a little bit undeserved. And I imagine if we had Judy Jench on this podcast, well, one, I would be having a heart attack if she was on this podcast. And two, I think she would probably tell us that she didn't deserve to win the Academy Award for that movie. I feel like she's probably very humble and probably thinks that the movie was exactly what we're saying. It was very cute and that she enjoyed being in it, but it, it, that it—that was sort of where it, it, it ended. <laughs> it's a long-winded way to say well, no, I don't think she necessarily deserved to win, even though I love her very much.
0: She's She's done better in better, I think. So, yeah. Yes. I mean yeah. I mean I like I would like I'd give her all the awards for any time she appeared in the James Bond movie, but uh, that's just me. Yeah. Uh, God. She's the best M ever. Oh, so good. Um Yeah. Yeah. Um Matt I was I was watching the ending and it's that scene where they are staging the play and they're also finishing up the movie is great because Madden is Handling both the handling two stories, handling the blocking of the actual stage performance and the the way the characters are feeling, and it's it's <laughs> kind of like a long winded breakup scene, sort of between yeah. them. And I'm trying to think, wh- wh- I do because I don't remember. It's been maybe a, like a, a little while, but the end the ending itself is fading. Why in God's name did they break up? In the end, I, was it because she just had to go and be her own woman, or something?
1: Yeah, she still was. So, so I, in my head, it just feels like a cop out that she—they're not like sort of brave enough as the, the and I, and I mean the 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 characters and the filmmakers—they're not sort of brave enough to just have them be sort of rebellious and just go ahead and and be together um that they're sort of still sort of tied down by the uh, social restrictions of the time and the gender restrictions um i i do that part i i don't like cuz i just feel like you know if you're going to go for it just fucking go for it but i like the way and i believe this was this was re rewritten and reshot I think much it was. later this um i do like the way that their sort of final thing that they can do together is to sort of use this really sad moment as inspiration again um, I think that sort of fits the movie, um, but I, I still left myself and I and my wife. We were both watching it, and she was just like, "What? Why is what's ha-? she's just on the beach now, walking forever? Like, what the fuck is happening in this movie?" Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe <clears throat> maybe he wanted to sort of ground it in, in, in social realities and, and norms at the time. But I feel like why why at that point when you're when you're swinging this wildly for the stands, why not just go for it? And maybe you stumble a little bit, but like, why not just go for it and give us the give us the happy ending right. we kind of want, I guess. Yeah,
0: well, point. I think because I, I imagine the working title of this movie was Twelfth Night Origins, and we needed to get Viola <laughs> <up> the universe. <laughs> we need, yeah, we're up, and we needed to get uh, we needed to get Viola on the boat on the beach yeah. where she crash lands, and then all the, all the stuff happens. And I guess yeah. all of this is the boat, and then the beach she's walking on is life for. There's there's something there. I, I I was a lousy Shakespeare student. But...
1: No no, it, it, you're not. You're well. You could have been, I guess. That's I guess that's fair. But it 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 is very um, disjointed. When I did read at the end that it was it was sort of not tacked on, but sort of redone, um, I was not surprised to read that because it felt it felt a little off, particularly from from what was right before it. I mean, Judy Dench has the scene where she tells them like, "Hey, we've had our fun, but you know." have to do your duty as a woman Mm -hmm. so it it clearly was leading into that moment um but it still felt just a little false i I don't know i i just feel like i felt so good after the uh the romeo and juliet sequence that it was it was just such a come down from that and i was just like uh and of course gwyneth paltrow just brings it all down again everyone's having a good time paltrow shows up (laughs) i don't have any i really don't have any big issue with
0: I just have a issue. Like I don't. I definitely don't think she deserved uh, best actress for this particular role. I'm not sure if she's deserved it for any role, but this one felt. This one felt heavily lobbied for. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Lobbied.
1: damn so, nailed it.
0: I do want to see all of the same supporting cast and uh, Joseph Fiennes reprise his, reprise their roles. Only this time, the love interest is. Will Shakespeare's actual wife, Anne Hathaway, played by Anne Hathaway, I uh, like that oh, when
1: she and she would do that.
0: She would totally do that. I, oh, in yeah. fact, I think the movie should be called Anne Hathaway, about Anne Hathaway, starring Anne Hathaway. Just make it.
1: Well, don't don't give her don't give her too much. She's already don't don't give her too much credit. Let's let's have her earn it a little bit.
4: I
0: I, I gotta say, Colossal was really good. I you think you I see to see it. It's
1: great movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all over it. I mean, the director's first name is Nacho. That's true. His name is Nacho. <laughs> um
0: I was I, I was I was reading up on this and um it, Harvey Weinstein actually in an interview, um he actually um enlightened me as to something I like I think knew in the back of my mind but didn't couldn't articulate. And that this is one of the many Hooray for Hollywood victories in that it is a movie about writers, directors mm-hmm. and artists and actors doing their doing their craft that have won or have been nominated for best picture <laughs> most recent being birdman and la la land for instance mm-hmm. they because and i think that that has so much to do with why the movie won especially because we didn't have twitter or or whatever nonsense back back then so we couldn't just Make cases for all of these movies on social media. We had just people saw that. Hey, those. Hey, that guy's a writer. That's sh- that, that Shakespeare <laughs> guy. He's, he he writes some stuff. I write some stuff. I you know I can relate to this movie far more than I can relate to being a World War II veteran, for instance. And that's mm-hmm. and you know I get that. That's totally relatable. Yeah, uh, you, you you write what you know, you act what you know, and you vote for what you know. Mm. And I, I just realized, like, oh, it, the, it's like as if light dawned on you, marbled head, and I saw that this is a movie that Hollywood loves because it, the setting may be different, the costumes are fabulous, but it is ultimately yes, <laughs> a movie about Hollywood doing Hollywood, and um, yeah. yeah. So, um, we we come down to it, Matt. Shakespeare in love did it deserve best picture?
1: No, I mean this is one of the easiest ones you've ever asked me and and I will say i I went into reviewing it the second time already with a no in my head, um but said you know what i'm gonna like, I want see it sort of as you know clean as I can, and I did and i and I talked about this a little bit, I did sort of walk away liking it uh definitely more than the first time I saw it and liking uh, and finding a lot of aspects um far more memorable than I expected them to be particularly the the scene I keep coming back to the, the finale, <clears throat> which I think is just really well done on on all accounts. But I mean even if it was up even if it wasn't up against the sort of gauntlet it was up against, um I don't think it's it's deservative something like this. I don't think, I mean, we're talking about it now. Yes, it's about Shakespeare. Yes, it's about sort of a really ubiquitous figure in literature. Even, you, know, you don't have to read Shakespeare to know Shakespeare. But it does not have the, the sort of staying power. Some of the other, I mean, really, I mean, even even Elizabeth, which is the only, I've I've seen all of them. Elizabeth is the only one I've seen once. Um, Even, I, I remember a ton of scenes from that, seeing it years and years ago.
0: Also with I mean, Joseph Fyde.
1: just owns it, yeah, also with Joseph Fiennes, and I really liked that movie. But I mean, Life is Beautiful, Saving Private Ryan, Thin Red Line—I have, I mean, there are some of them, some of the stuff in all three of those movies are sort of etched into my brain. Um, yes, they're all a little bit more in, in sort of my, the things I like to watch in film, at least on the surface. Um, yeah, but Shakespeare and Love just—it just sort of—it uh, just felt slight, and I, I sort of wanted it to have a little more to it either either like you said earlier go a little bit further go a little bit broader and just louder and zanier and have some fun or sort of dial it back and really sort of find those those moments where you want to hit the, the dramatic pieces i mean it, it you mentioned amadeus already and this movie feels sort of like a in a lot of ways in certain in certain instances a parallel to that film but if i'm if i'm putting them side by side in any way I mean, Amadeus just sort of steamrolls over it in 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 all regards, and they have, they they do share a lot of 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 pieces, but Amadeus just just kicks its ass completely. Um, and I, I'll I'll leave you with a quote from my wife when the movie was over, and she just she said very succinctly, as she, as you know she is, um, that was stupid. <laughs> that's all she said.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well.
0: That's yeah. that's Steph Marchetti for you right there. Eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's nice. just at least curtain to the point i i have always yes will yes that. <laughs> um i can't i can't disagree with anything there i found myself really enjoying this movie it's a good movie it's a good movie sometimes it feels like it is almost a
2: great
0: movie it does mm-hmm. it's, the screenplay is top of the line tom stoppard is a gift to the craft of writing and i i love him for a lot of the lines he gives here, and he writes and creates and the in the in the, in the very believable Elizabethan world he does, but mm-hmm. a good movie, sometimes great movie, does not get you Best Picture this year. Does not get you. Does not get it to you in 1998 because you're going up against four great movies and arguably one of the most important films ever made. Possibly two, because Thin Red Line is is amazing, and I it doesn't it mm-hmm. it 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 doesn't give it to you. I I like this movie. I found myself really enjoying it. It's uh, it's quick. It's paced very well. Yes, the love story is, which is the central part. I kind of just I'm not all that interested all that interested in. Mm. It's just that there's what it had to defeat and how it defeated it will always be the thing that you know follows this movie whenever you talk about it it's not academy award winner shakespeare in love it's academy award winner shakespeare in love that movie that beat saving private Ryan. yeah, yeah. and so speaking of that um we uh next week we are going to be discussing Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan on another episode of For Your Reconsideration, where we look back at movies that perhaps should have won Best Picture, but didn't, and give reasons why, or perhaps why not. Uh, It's probably safe to say that we might be a little positive uh, on that (laughs) one, Um, but do listen in. You have been listening to Oscar Watch. Thank you so much. If you like what you've heard, you can uh, write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on all the social media at OscarWatchPod and be sure to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps people find us and keep the conversation going. Matt Marchetti, where can folks
1: find you? You guys can find me uh, as usual on Instagram um, at uh, movie underscore matinee with two T's because of my name. Uh, I try to do a movie review a day. I'll actually be uh, um, out of the country. Uh, in a couple of days So I'll, I'll be a, a bit behind um, But I will I promise to catch up With all the schlock that I can find And uh, and all that And, and ironically I, we're going to England mm. Shakespeare in Love And we're going to be in France Saving Private Ryan oh. So <laughs> sort of edit, This was not planned Obviously it wasn't planned at all But I find it very fitting uh, That i will be in the two places That these, that both these movies are yeah. set in So, and,
0: uh, If you do have a chance uh, Get to Stratford uh Stafford upon Avon. It's a lovely, lovely, bon lovely,
1: Avon, lovely yeah. place. Um
0: uh yes. We wish you all the best on your foray over into Europe. Sounds great. Send Thank pictures. You. Can't wait Will to do. hear all about it. Uh I'm gonna leave you with a, just some advice that I picked up from Shakespeare and Love and that's um people, don't date writers. They're just they're just the worst. You really shouldn't. <laughs> and on that note we leave you until next time. We'll see you on the red carpet.